But first, we're starting out today with a conversation to frame all our thoughts on nostalgia. Yes, nostalgia is a powerful force, but what does it mean? To answer this question, I called up my favorite TV writer, Essie Smith. Hi, Essie Smith. Hello, it's a pleasure talking to you. Did, did you know that you're my favorite TV writer? <laughs> I did not. Are you just saying that to, to butter up to me here? <laughs> um, no, it's true. It's, it's genuinely true. Um, so, Essie, you recently wrote for Bitch about uh, the shows Downton Abbey and Indian Summers, both shows which air in the United States on PBS, are period pieces that revolve around British characters at the turn of the century. Um, are you still watching those shows? I am still watching those, along with a host of other period shows and costume dramas, because I have a sort of strange obsession with floofy frocks. I can't <laughs> explain it. Well, you're definitely not alone. So a lot of people are familiar with Downton Abbey, which is about the lives and intricate social hierarchies and personal drama of aristocrats and servants in Edwardian England. But Indian Summers is newer. As Downton Abbey wraps up its final season this year, PBS, um, I think, is hoping that Indian Summers can take on some of its popularity. Do you, do you think that's right? <laughs> Definitely. And they're also mm -hmm. running a show that's going to be starting a little later this month called Mercy Street, which is about the American Civil War, which is very clearly also trying to capitalize on the popularity of costume and period dramas. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with it, Indian Summers is um, set in India. It's under the rule of the British Raj and a group of white British people um, decamp to a mountain town of Simla to beat out the suffocating heat and loosen their collars for a bit. So, Essie, I guess my question for you is why do audiences love period pieces like this so much? I think that's a question with a really complicated answer. One thing, obviously, is our mutual affection for delicious frothy frocks. Also, there's a sense that we can engage with social issues, both past and present, and it feels more comfortable when we can distance ourselves. So a great example is Indian Summers kind of digs in at times on racism and particularly looking at religious divides as well. And people are very scared of looking at that in a modern context because that kind of cuts too close to home. And there also seems to be a bit of nostalgia for days gone past with an almost deliberately cultivated ignorance of the dark sides of that. I mean, with Downton Abbey, you had, especially in earlier seasons, women didn't even have the right to vote. You have issues like entailment that barred Lady Mary from inheriting her own family estate. So you have kind of all of these social issues that get shoved under the carpet because what you're seeing is the glitz and glamour. Well, yeah, I think I think it's a really important point that in, in a lot of ways these shows can comment on social issues that we're still dealing with today and that have resonated through our history. But in other ways, because they're set in the past, it feels safer to watch them somehow or what today would feel very political and maybe um, invasive or heated instead feels exciting or like, ooh, look at this other world in the past. Definitely. And I think you can really see that with early seasons of Downton Abbey, which I was super excited about because the show seemed to be taking a very class war bent by looking at both the upstairs and the downstairs, which is kind of, I don't know if you watched Julian Fellow's film Gosford Park, 
drew upon a lot of the things that we see in Downton Abbey. That's clearly when he started doing the research that you really see meticulously replicated on PBS for your viewing pleasure. And originally you saw a lot more of the class tensions with servants wanting to get out of service, for example, which was a very alien concept at the turn of the 20th century. There was kind of an idea that you would intergenerationally work as ladies' maids and servants and butlers, and the idea that you might strike out on your own and start working for yourself was really terrifying to a lot of people. And you see the class boundaries breaking down, of course, with the infamous affair with the chauffeur, and sort of a, an examination of issues that we're facing right now as well. But people are more reluctant to engage with contemporary class issues, even with things like the fight for minimum wage and Bernie Sanders exploding in the polls. And so, but in some ways you're saying that um, these sort of, these issues around, so in some ways you're saying that these like important political issues and social issues, that that is something that these shows do explore, but it can get kind of downplayed or overshadowed by all the focus on the glamour of the period um, and the glamour of the costumes and the hair and, and all that. Is that is that what you're saying? It definitely can. To uh, bag on Downton Abbey again for a minute, when you look at, for example, the paper doll sets, you're not seeing Daisy and Mrs. Patmore. You're seeing Lady Edith and Lady Mary, right? People dress up for Downton Abbey parties as the people upstairs, not the people downstairs. And you don't see things that would have been common at the time. There wouldn't have been electricity in the servants' quarters, Servants were probably using outhouses rather than indoor plumbing. Servants were eating the worst cuts of meat and the leftovers. So you're not seeing the really ugly parts of the servant's life. All you really see is the kitchen, which is this kind of bright, idealized version of the comfortable English farm kitchen. And then you see the servant's hall where they kind of dine and have meetings. And then you see the room where they polish the shoes. And that's about it. You don't get a sense of what their lives were really like, except through the lens of the upper class people that they work for. And that's really not an accurate picture of what life was like as a servant at the time. I think nostalgia plays into the costumes and the hair of these shows in a really interesting way. And one is that I feel like when people watch these shows, one thing that we just that we love is um, how nicely everybody is dressed. <laughs> And something I hear over and over and that I think myself is like, wow, look at how people, um, how like all men wore hats in those days and how the women were like dressed to the nines, you know, wearing what we would think now of as very fancy handmade dresses to do the simplest things. And I'm curious on your thoughts about how, about like the nostalgia for a time when, when clothing was more gendered and and fancier. Do you think that plays into our, our love of these shows? Oh, totally. And there's very much this nostalgia for, wasn't it nice when everybody dressed up, that I also see, for example, with dressing up for airplanes. This used to be a big thing, right? Everyone would wear their fanciest clothes because this is a big adventure. And so we see people talking about, wasn't it nice when people dressed up for planes instead of wearing sweatpants and slippers. But what people don't talk about is the sexual harassment that stewardesses experienced, that flight crews were usually 
all female in the cabin and all male in the cockpit, that women had these ridiculous appearance standards. And so that's really erased in favor of look at the pretty people wearing the pretty things. You don't see the ugly cost there. That ties into how these super gendered and specific ways of dressing that now we look back and say, oh, man, that looks so, so glamorous, in a lot of ways are super confining. And what were people were rebelling against in future generations, our right to wear sweatpants if we want to, you know. And so I think nowadays we can kind of have a rosy view of the past in part because of these shows and say, oh, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, all women dressed up and wore fancy skirts and men wore hats whenever they went outside. But on the other hand, that's not a world that I want to live in. Definitely not. There are a lot of highly performative gender norms that go on there that weren't just about clothing, but the clothing kind of reinforced bigger social issues. Um, The most recent airing of Downton Abbey, we have Lady Mary trying to assert herself as the manager of the estate. And we have a farmer saying that he doesn't want to deal with her because as a woman, she couldn't possibly be the one in charge, as though she's somehow hiding the male manager somewhere behind her, perhaps under the piano or something. And that really ties into she's a woman, she has to wear these constricting clothes, women behave like this, they do that. And Mary is a very interesting character because she's so rebellious. So even as she's wearing the right clothing and the jewelry and having her hair done just so. She's out having affairs and taking the estate in hand and really trying to assert herself. And she gets a lot of pushback on that. And I think that that ties into the last thing I really want to talk about, which is that obviously this wasn't a good time to be alive if you're a woman or a person of color or you're poor or you have a disability. Um, Your life would be much more confined than it is today. So how does that tie into our desire to still see these stories set in this time and a nostalgia for a period in which honestly life was was pretty bad for people who weren't white rich guys? Well, it's kind of an ugly thing to say, but it really ties in with a nostalgia for an era in which systems of oppression and dominance were much simpler and Obviously, white viewers get a lot out of this because you don't really have to engage directly with race. And wasn't it nice when white people could just be in charge? And non-disabled people don't have to deal with the discomfort of seeing disabled bodies on the screen. And cis people don't have to see transgender people or to have their notions of gender challenged. And middle and upper class viewers don't really have to deal with poverty. They can push it off into the corner. So you see over and over again rhetoric about, well, things used to be simpler in those days. And what people usually mean by that is that in those days, people who looked like them and enjoyed their social status got to be in charge. And dealing with this kind of internalized oppression is a big problem on both sides because, of course, a lot of people from more marginalized social groups look at these shows and the huge nostalgia factor and kind of roll their eyes. Um, After I wrote the feature on Indian Summers, I actually got a lovely email from someone who said, 
you know, I'm a Hindu woman and I've been watching everyone go gonzo for this show. And I was waiting for one person, just one person who is not Hindu and who is white to write a piece that is critical of what this show is really saying about this time. And it was a really stark reminder that it's kind of easy for all of us to slip into this notion that we really are better than the people that we have been oppressing for centuries. That was writer S.E. Smith. Follow S.E. on Twitter at Real S.E. Smith for more thoughts on lots of television. <laughs>